What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of You're on the List. It's your boy, Petey Boy Jones. I'm here at the uh, Brody Stevens Memorial Podcast Studio at All Things Comedy uh, in Burbank. Here with a very, very special guest in studio. Uh, we have Brett calling in uh, in just a little bit with a special announcement. We got big news on the podcast. We got big news. Uh, this podcast is finally delivering on one of its uh, long-awaited promises. Uh, we will get more into that uh, in a minute. But uh, before uh, we go any further, I got to introduce my guest in studio. This is a man I've known for, God, it's got to been, dude, it would be like 25 Six, years now. 69 years. 69 years. Uh, my good buddy, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Forty Walsh in the studio. What's up, Forty? Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. Oh, dude, I'm just happy to have you here. Uh, now, Forty, you and I have known each other uh, for years. We went to college together. Went to American University, the very esteemed um, institution. Correct. It's it, one of the best middle schools in all of colleges. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, we went there together. Uh, you guys were a year ahead of me. You were uh, uh, a very uh, a listener of the show. Dan Pizzini is a huge fan of uh, Chris Wilde. You were Chris Wilde's uh, sidekick. Uh, doing all the midnight uh, shows. Uh, there were basically cable access shows in uh, in college. Uh, and you guys were sort of known for, uh, you know, causing problems through cable television. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, then you carried on to uh, Comedy Central with, uh, with Chris. Uh, and you were the sidekick on that show as well. Yeah, we wanted to ruin more lives. So we took it to a bigger stage. <laughs> yes, that was good. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, we succeeded tremendously. Yeah, yes, you did. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, so you, you, you left D.C., moved to Hollywood, got on television. And then uh, not short – not not too long after that, you uh, did you go back to school? No, I um, I was working on my master's degree at Monmouth University. Shout out New Jersey, in New Jersey. Yeah, and uh, I, got, I had a master's degree when I was out here, so I started teaching college. Okay, and uh, that's how I got in at uh, Pierce College. Okay, Pierce. Yes. So you uh, you are a professor of history, correct? At Pierce College. Tell me a little bit about uh, being – first of all, tell me about Pierce. What's going on with Pierce College? Uh, Pierce College is a wonderful institution. Okay. <laughs> uh, it is located in bucolic Woodland Hills, California. Okay. Just technically Los Angeles. Okay. But it's Woodland Hills. All right. It's not right. Los Angeles, right? right? It's Woodland Hills. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's on a farm. Okay. 450 acres. Okay. We have cows. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm vegan, so they talk to me. Okay, they yeah, so they, they they do talk to you. They th- they, he's cool, yeah, and so I just kind of hang out with them <laughs> with the cows. Yeah, I do all sorts of shit. Yeah. Uh, now you're a professor at Pierce. Yes, I'm the chair of the history department and uh, president of the union. Okay, so that, that's like real adult stuff that you just said right there. First of all, being the chair of any department, even if it's like you know Macy's department store, if you're any, any sort of any department that you're chair of. I mean, he, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown of chair of the any department. <laughs> yes, really. yeah. Especially Macy's at their flagging sales. Yeah, exactly. And our flagging enrollment. Right. So that's a tie-in right there. <laughs> I mean, our enrollment's seen better days. <laughs> Uh, at Pierce, so, all right, so it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So you're a cha- you're a cha- you're the chair of the history department, and you're the then then you're you're in the union, or you you're, you're the head of the union. How does that? I'm work? the president of the faculty guild at Pierce College. Okay, so it's like Pierce is one of nine colleges in the district, right? The LA Community College District. Okay, yeah. So uh, if uh, you know if something if if the people have a complaint, do they go to you? They're like, look, that water fountain. 
It's not. It's not. It's not spitting any water anymore. Yes. Yeah. We need. We need more. More water pressure. Yeah. They. They complain to me. Yeah. Uh, well, they. They look for me. I'm usually uh, hiding in the office. I send them to my grievance rep, and everything's taken care of. Okay. He's a. He's a really diligent worker. Oh, that's. That, see, that's. <laughs> Well, dude, uh, we have a really cool list planned today. We're going to get to that in a second. We're going to be talking history today. So if you're a history buff uh, and, uh, you know, because Brett, Brett Ernst, uh, whose uh, page we are on right now live on Facebook, uh, uh, he he claims to know some history. Mm-hmm. So maybe when he calls in, like, we can maybe we can sort of see if he has any thoughts about our list uh, because he he has his own facts. Brett mm-hmm. does, yeah. You know what I mean. Like it's, it's, uh, it's. I don't know if it's, if he really has taken any history classes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, he he pretends to know history. Never let the facts get in the way of a good story. Right. I've always said that <laughs> teaching my history classes. <laughs> yeah, like is this happening? Like meh. Dude, that's amazing. I, so, I tell them to look it up, and that's kind of homework. Right, right, right. Yeah, so it all balances out in the end. <laughs> it's a real pedagogical innovation. So tell me about uh, being a teacher. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people. We have a lot of listeners to the podcast that are teachers. Um, my dad used to – he still does. He tells me I should have been a teacher. Uh, what, do, what do you think the most rewarding things uh, that come with teaching? And then also what are the cons of coming with teaching? I think people uh, writing down shit you say is yeah. pretty rewarding. Yeah. I mean, the first class I taught and I was talking and people started writing it down. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Just because you never wrote anything down. Right. I'm like, Pete, write this down. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to it. And they're writing it down. I'm yeah. like, why can't, why can't Pete be like all of you? <laughs> uh, but the worst thing is this. Ever hear of the website Rate My Professor? Yes. Oh my god, it's crap. So so it's like a Yelp for professors. A lot of my colleagues love it. They cuz well, I have for one, we don't we can't use it on the job and in the union. Right. But like, you know, my colleagues that have good scores are like really proud of them. Yeah. And you know, I I, I want to remind them I'm like, you know, you're not their friend, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They love me. I'm like, yeah. that's uh, you know. Yeah, they're looking for grades. It kind of, yeah, and like when you say Yelp, I mean, it, it it brings to mind the adage of the customer is always right. Right. And like you're treating students like customers. But like they're not – in fact, they're rarely right. That's why they're coming to college. Right, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, We're trying to they're, – They're looking for knowledge. I'm not saying like they're a product or anything. But like you know, mine are in the middle. So right. I'm not totally hated. Yeah. But I'm not universally beloved. So rate – was it rate your professor? Ratemyprofessor.com. I'm on it if you want to look it up. <laughs> and check out your rating. Yeah. How is your rating? You actually do want to put a rating on there now. You can. <laughs> But you have it has to be negative. Okay, really. I insist. That's where my street cred is totally built into. So you're like uh, you're like a. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like um, you know, like uh, being a, like an Uber driver or something like that. Like you, yeah. get, you have a rating. Is it a five star rating? What kind? Of, what kind of? Is it a one to ten? I don't read my reviews, Pete. You don't. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it's. I think it's like it's like four or five. Okay, and uh, I'm like average. There's this also a function you could put a chili pepper there if you think the instructor's attractive. Really? Yeah. And so, I mean, when I started off, I got like you know like one chili pepper. Yeah. But you know, as like gravity has taken its toll, right, on my neck. 
the, the chili peppers have uh, faded away. <laughs> Did they really? Right. Yeah. Wouldn't you think that takes away from the uh, the validity of a website if you're talking about rating your professor to add in whether the, your professor is hot or not? Well, it makes me wonder why I got hired in the first place. <laughs> right. If they took one look at me and they said this guy's pure sex, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like trying to fight that, you know, yeah. image yeah. for my entire career. Which is, I mean, I mean, that's a that's a that's a big cross to bear. Exactly. Yeah. When you when you have it and you don't know how to turn it off, right? You know, you have to fill that <laughs> void of credibility right. with these other responsibilities like department chair and <laughs> union president. Right. Of course. Uh, well, uh, Brett Ernst was uh, just uh, calling. I'm going to have him call right now. Uh, we have a big announcement to make before we get into our list. I can't if, wait. If you guys are watching on uh, Facebook or uh, you're, you're watching live, we're going to be getting into the uh, top ten historical figures you never have heard of. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot uh, to uh, to delve into there. Uh, Brett Ernst is uh, calling uh, right now. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna patch him through. He's texting me. I said, "Call me now." He says, "Okay, Miss Cleo." That's his joke. Remember Miss Cleo? She was the psychic. Yeah. Call now. Yeah. You know that was his joke. So he took time to text that instead of just calling. So I hope I hope you enjoyed that joke. Oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> still still waiting for the phone. All right, here he is. Uh, let's see if we can get him on here. Uh, Brett Ernst, are you on the line? Buddy, what's going on, buddy? Uh, Brett <laughs> live in the um, I'm live in the studio with my buddy uh, Forty Walsh, uh, and uh, we have you calling in. Uh, I teased it already. We have a major announcement to make on the podcast. It's happening right now. Before we uh, make that announcement, though, Brett, I do want to uh, refer to the uh, Twitter chat. Uh, I tweeted a, a special announcement today. Uh, here are some of the uh, here are some of the uh, responses. <laughs> Uh, Chris, I can't wait to hear this. Chris Hodorowski <laughs> says Brett is moving to Iowa. <laughs> Dan, Dan, Dan Laffner says uh, Pete saved a bunch of money on his, on his car insurance. Uh, Chris Hodorowski also said Pete is getting paid $10 million to officiate the deep state wedding between Lindsay Lohan and Mohammed bin Salman. And then uh, Ronnie B said uh, it was Stevie G all along. That was his guess. <laughs> Uh, but uh, and then also uh, Steamboat Willie says Seaside Show question mark. So what do you think, buddy? What's well, our special announcement? I think Steamboat Willie got it right, buddy. Steamboat Willie, you got it right. We are doing a You're on the List show. It's going to be uh, at Joey Harrison's uh, River House in Forked River. Uh, for those of you in Seaside that used to remember uh, Joey Harrison's Surf Club uh, in Seaside, this is uh, Joey Harrison's uh, River House. He has a house in Forked River. So we are doing That's a show right. there. We're going, we're going to Joe, uh, Joey Harrison's house. Yeah, Joey Harrison's house. <laughs> is it called Forked River? Forked River, yeah. What did, what did you think it was called? For, forked River? Forked <laughs> Yeah, it's Forked. Forked? <laughs> yeah, it's Forked. It's, like it's like a haunted river <laughs> with forks. It's a forked river. So I think it started as a joke. The show is going to be uh, what, Labor Day, is that it? September first. It's going to be September. It's going to be Sunday, September first, ladies and gentlemen. Sunday, September first, uh, at Joey Harrison's River House in Forked River. It's probably going to be an eight o'clock show. I'm, I'm imagining it's going to be an eight o'clock show. That's Sunday night. It's the night before actual Labor Day. So when you're having a, a great, wonderful uh, Labor Day weekend down the shore, you can make your way over to Joey Harrison's in Forked River on Sunday night uh, for, uh, for a wonderful uh, stand-up comedy show. I also want to mention there is a possibility 
of doing uh, we might be doing a uh, live podcast at JR's Ocean Bar and Grill in sunny Seaside Heights, New Jersey. Uh, that is, uh, you know, we still have to work that out uh, as far as the the setup and stuff goes. But we'd like to do. Maybe, a, you know what, Pete? Maybe we should do that on like Saturday or something. That's what I'm. And that's what I'm the, thinking. I'm thinking. On, we do the show. We do the show Sunday, and then Sunday night we do the after party like at JR's. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're gonna do the after party at JR's for sure. There's gonna be a big. It's gonna be listener weekend. If you're a, a Yodel listener, if you're a, you're on the list fan, and you're in the New Jersey area. Uh, this is where you got to be. Uh, September 1st, the show uh, at Joey Harrison's uh, River House. Uh, and, of course, uh, we're going to be doing stuff at JR's Ocean Bar and Grill in sunny Seaside Heights on Saturday. So that'll be uh, the 31st. Uh, make sure you check us out. We're going to probably do a live, a live broadcast from, the, uh, from JR's, but we'll be uh, partying the whole time. Yeah, buddy. Well, listen, guys. The, the show is definitely Sunday the 1st. Yeah, uh, I'll put I'll put a ticket link when, when they come up on my website on Yoda. Aaron Keith, I'll have one too. Pete, yes. what are you gonna wear? I'm kind of concerned. What are you gonna wear? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm wearing a New Jersey <laughs> shirt right now, but uh, I don't know, man. I'm excited to <clears throat> excited to come back. It was an unplan. You know, this is a very uh, uh, late stage planning. That's why we want to get everyone uh, to tell your friends, make those plans now, because we are only a couple weeks out. We should do something too, like. Where what you wear when you when you were partying down the shore? Like, what was your your era was what? I mean, my era was. Uh, I mean, I saw some of the Cavaricci stuff, but I was a little young for that. But when we got, you know, when it was like party time, it was just uh, it was just a lot of like uh, uh, t- like tight clothes. Did you wear the Big Johnson t shirts? Remember those? Oh, the Big Johnson t shirts were great. <laughs> I, I had a big Johnson and shirt. Co-ed naked. Yeah, co-ed naked. I had a big Johnson shirt. Did you ever? I didn't know those, man. How do I not know those? You don't know big Johnson. Yeah, yeah, the big Johnson. The, sh- the surf shirts were big. Yeah, that that was like a huge. That was like a major thing. Big Johnson. And then co- what was the other one that you said? That was co-ed naked oh, yeah. volleyball. Oh yeah, co-ed, co-ed naked lacrosse. Naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. It, dude, I don't know any of that. That was Guido wear. Nah, I mean it was. It, it, it's it's a Jersey Shore like it's the 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 jocks and gym class that were like the bad boy jocks. I yeah. guess you know the bad the bad boy jocks. Yes, yeah, there were and all jocks are bad boys. So <laughs> they're so they're so, <laughs> they're, so, so they're, so, they're so sultry. I know they're so sultry. They just want to get a rise out of the gym teachers, but the gym teachers would give them a pass. You know, I mean, I can go on. You know. Well, yeah, man. Back in my day, it was like uh, the surf style. Uh, that was a big thing too. That was the um, you know the Technicolor pullover that uh, said surf style on it. Technicolor clothing. Yeah, it was Technicolor they really clothing. Just changed. When yeah, you yeah, yeah. Color. Hypercolor. Hypercolor. I, I, no, I have no idea what you guys were fucking talking about. Dude, <laughs> you don't know. I, I, wi- no shirt, I, I like wish I made this up. <laughs> I wish I made it all up. Dude, the one that we're talking about, Brett, it, it's like a it's like a fluorescent uh, windbreaker thing. And it would say surf style on it. It looks like it was just made, like someone just silk screened it right there, and then you started wearing it. But they would sell a ton of those on the boardwalk, mm-hmm. and uh, they were very reflective, you know, sort of, you know. And then old people, you know, eventually took that material and made oh, the, uh, like the suit. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and own, yeah, old people just swooped in and took it. They ruined it. 
They ruined it. So, Brett, before we let you go, dude, the topic, uh, the uh, list that we're doing today, uh, because uh, Forty here is a uh, professor of history. He's actually the uh, the the department head at Pierce College. Pierce College. Uh, he's a he's a big time history buff. Our list today is the top ten historical figures you've never heard of. Do you have any suggestions of anyone that should be on this list? Uh, I, I got one. That is a. I mean, obviously, you know who you know who they are, but they're never given the credit that they deserve. Okay. For what they accomplished, and I would have to say Stefano Magadino out of Buffalo. Uh, that the arm was really a major player in Costa Nostra back in the day. Okay. So everybody, okay. <laughs> but everybody. Everybody always talks about the five families in New York, but they forget up in Buffalo, the arm. Right, the arm. The under- the arm. Yeah, he was the undertaker before the undertaker. That okay. So the arm. Very, very powerful mob family back in the day. Okay. Uh, and, and it was one of the families that uh, the godfather was patterned off of. Okay. A lot of it. And uh, so I put Stefano Magadino up up there as far as like a great historical figure in American history. Stefano Pagatino. I think he's I think he's on the list, dude. He is now. Yeah. He is now. Uh, uh, well, who, 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 give me another example of somebody. Yeah, let, let's 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 uh, let's name. Let, let, give me someone on the list, Forty. Who do you think uh, is a historical figure that we've never heard of that you think uh, you know? Well, I'm, I'll start big. Okay. Uh, Pope Joan. Okay. There was a time where the church accidentally had a female pope. Okay. Uh, and it was back, I think, in like the 800s, I want to say, uh, where, you know, people had these, where well, they dressed, had head coverings and stuff. And no one knew Joan was a lady. It was just John. And the pope was chosen by like the five most prominent families in Rome. And so they picked John. And a year into the papacy, while they're having a procession to the Lateran, the Pope, I'm not kidding, drops to the ground and gives birth in the middle of the street. Get out of here. Pope Joan. Look it that's up. That's a great that's a Dude, great that's story. crazy. First of all, so uh, that's that's insane. Well why isn't that a movie? It is a movie starring John Goodman. <laughs> I swear, look it up. Look, look it up. It's on IMDb. Pope Joan. Yeah, it's, 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 I thought that was a joke. That's no, it is. And no, and and if you have Google, type in, type in Pope. Also, type in Pope testicle chair. What's they, that? They they created a chair after this with a hole in the bottom, so every new pope had to sit in it with their pants off. And have it inspected to see if they had testicles. That can't be real. Look, just type it. It'll automatically come up on Google if you type in Pope Dude, T. Dude, this guy isn't a real history teacher. It's amazing. I stretched. I don't even think Pierce Kyle. Where the fuck is Pierce Kyle? It, it's it's in bucolic Woodland Hills, California. <laughs> it's a farm. It's got 450 acres, bigger than UCLA. <laughs> Dude, I got I, I I've got to look up this testicle chair. Just type real quick. in T and testicle will come up. <laughs> Can I just say something yeah. really quick? This is already the best episode we've ever. Had. <laughs> Dude, so uh, yeah, so were the medieval popes examined on a? Uh, let's see, papal trivia, fun facts about the popes. Uh, 
Yeah, this looks like it was a uh, it was a, an object used to test the sex of newly installed popes. So basically, Pope John, or I'm sorry, Pope Joan, because she became pope and uh, was exposed by having a baby in public. Uh, they they came up with the the, the papal is that how you say it? is it it's papal right yeah. the papal testicle testing chair uh, and this is a real <laughs> that's hilarious this is a that's real hilarious. thing and the movie is called Pope Joan two thousand and nine two thousand and nine uh, a woman of uh, English uh, extraction. Uh, born in the German city of whatever in the ninth century, disguises herself as a man and rises through the Vatican ranks. Now, did she do this on purpose, or did or did she just like that it was a misunderstanding? Uh, you know what I mean? Was this like a sitcom situation? <laughs> oh wait, we have an image of the Pope chair. See? This is the Pope chair. Oh my gosh! Yeah, wacky Jones. She Dude. got it again. And you know what's crazy is that the church denies this happened, but. Why create a testicle chair if it didn't happen? That's amazing. And there was also a, a the point in the road where she gave birth. It was custom for popes afterwards to deliberately turn their heads away from that spot. Wow. Yeah. And then now they're just like, oh, yeah, we just made it up. And, you know, <laughs> real clever. Dude, so like, I, I have one more. Like- she was like Caitlyn Jenner back then. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> she, she reversed Jennered. What sucks is that there's. <laughs> She's the first Jenner to there are so many little girls out there that are thinking, I'm going to be Pope one day, and we have to tell them, too late. <laughs> too late. Sorry. Pick another, t- pick another objective. Dude, so that's yeah, great. You're going to sit in this chair and they're going to. Look up and see your vagine. <laughs> <laughs> that chair is somewhere. It's in a museum somewhere. So, well, dude, I mean, Aaron just pulled it up. That that looks like. I mean, it looked like it was also like you know you could have if you wanted to. It looked like there was like sort of a storage area if you needed to go to the bathroom as well in that chair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, was, it would look like a porta potty. Um, so, my last question on Pope Joan was this: Did was, so was she purposely being deceitful? Did she just call herself John? I I don't know. Uh, she spoke multiple languages. She was like really st- steeped in like classical history. Yeah, and I think there was a moment where the five families said, "Let's appoint someone good," because <laughs> yeah. normally they appointed like real just scumbags, like, right? Pe- like, you know, like the arm. And so and so I think she just kinda went along with it and they said, Oh, you're you're a good you're all right, John and she went, Yeah, John. Yeah, that's right. And then it just got yeah. out of hand. Yeah. It got out of hand and she yeah. became president. I mean she became Pope. Dude, that is insane. Uh hey so Dude. <laughs> well, the, the the most junior cleric would grab the Pope's balls and go testiculare, <laughs> and and then he's making this shit up now. <laughs> I know. I actually they they had a scene on that that Showtime, the Borgias. Yeah, yeah. They grab Jeremy Irons' balls and go testiculare. <laughs> I swear, just to make it official. Yeah, dude. So, I mean, yeah, that's- 
that's they do that to the choir boys too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very common practice. It's very common practice in the business. Uh, well, dude, what an opener! Pope Joan is huge. I've never heard it's of all Pope down, Joan. It's all downhill from here, yeah. though. I gotta warn you. Yeah, how do you top Pope Joan? I love Pope Joan. Yeah. <laughs> what, what else you got for you? You have, you have another one that you can. Oh, you can I, I mean, kind of lost them, but that guy that saved the world. Okay. The Soviet sub guy. Okay. Oh God, it was like Victor. I, mean, I already got rid of the thing on my. Uh, Am I, oh so this is during the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, right? Yeah, the Soviet sub commander who um, was like the one. Oh, here it is, Vasily Arkhipov. Okay, yeah, Vasily Arkhip. How do you say it? Arka- it's A R K H I P O V. Okay, and he was. I would say that's really quick. He would be more famous if people could pronounce his fucking name. Yeah, dude. They probably just like you know what this guy did something. Fuck it, we're gonna be struggling with this guy's name for the rest of our life. Yeah, In Russia, he's bo- in Russia, he's big bo- big box office because they can, I guess, pronounce it. But he uh, he saved the world. Okay. From total nuclear destruction. He was uh, the lone vote against hitting the United States with nuclear weapons during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So the what? They just voted on it in the submarine? Well, he was a uh, – I think he was a <laughs> he was a, a sub-commander and they were going to do it. It's kind of like uh, – what's that movie with uh, – with what's his name? Gene Hackman and Denzel? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, f- sub sub yeah. you go yeah. yeah time of the red hot subs yeah. it's called <laughs> it's a crimson tide crimson tide <laughs> dude thank god for aaron aaron knows all the cinema stuff well you know that in the past two years trump has ordered like 10 nuclear strikes yeah and they just <laughs> essentially threw they essentially just threw the keys like somewhere in the white house yeah Trump to find it yeah there are like checks on these things thank god and the Soviets had like several checks, and this guy was like the lone vote. So it, it basically ran all the way up the ladder for him to just issue the command, and then he decided not to do it. Yeah, yeah, you know. So he, um, yeah, he saved the world. Saved the world. All right. So Vasily uh, Arkhipov, the Soviet sub guy. You know, I mean, I'm just guessing here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, that's not entirely responsible on my part, but no, I I, I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, I think that. See, I, I wouldn't want that. But go ahead. All right. Well, we have three people. Great. We have to. I mean, yeah. So you know, I'm sure there's plenty more. Uh, who else? So, so wait. So this guy and they do sit there going, "We're going to go in America." Yeah, yeah, me. Everybody's like, "Yay!" I think it's one of those things where you know you're kind of you're you're under the water by like how many feet, and you know communications kind of dodgy, and you're just responding to like events, and yeah. you know I think there are people that were just like we're totally at war, and he was just like now nah, let's just calm down for a minute, and he's probably the he was the one voice of reason that just kind of stopped the whole thing. Wow. Well, big shout out to Vasily Arkhipov. If that's if that's how you say it, there's another guy yeah. I could, you could put in there. It's like similar, but for like the wrong reasons. Okay, uh, Thomas Catesby Jones. Okay, uh, in like 1842, he was like the Pacific com- uh, Navy Fleet Commander, and this is 1842, so you had no clue what was going on if you're out in the fucking ocean, right? And he was like, they were sailing off of like Peru and they saw the British Navy hovering around and they got all paranoid and they said, the British are here. Why are they here? 
they're probably here because the United States and Mexico are at war. <gasps> Shit, we have to get California. So they invaded Monterey, California, and they thought in a few days we'll get some newspapers that will tell us, yeah, you're at war. Like we'll be validated totally. So they go into Monterey, California. They invade it. There's no one guarding it. There's yeah. like one guy. So they knock on his door and they say, we're taking it. He's like, sure. Okay, whatever. <laughs> and so they, they hoist the U.S. flag and like, you know, business, U.S. businessmen are coming through. They're going, oh, shit. Great. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, because we're at war, right? And they're like, uh, you tell me. <laughs> and, and so and so like maybe like a week or two go by and then they finally decide we're not at war but they sent the message to everybody in monterey saying we're at a war because of a situation your government created but there was no situation was no war. they put the flag down put the mexican flag back up put like a note of apology <laughs> and took off and like the next day the mexican army showed up and he came back to the Washington and they like, you know, wrapped him on the knuckles like you cannot invade <laughs> countries. Why did you, did you do that? Yeah. He's like, I just I was going on instincts. And then <laughs> and then they followed it up, though. They that afterwards they followed up by going, it's pretty easy, wasn't it? Wow. And that was the beginning of the sort of thought process on how do we invade Mexico. Yeah. Go to Monterey. It's like a wine tasting and a, yeah. you know, I just a, drove a couple's yeah, retreat. There's no, there's no residue of this. <laughs> it's, it's, they built a Home Depot, I think, on top of the spot where he <laughs> invaded. Hey, I got one. A lot of people don't know we had a black speaker of the house in the late 1800s. Oh. Is that true? I don't know this. Yeah, look it up. First black speaker to have, late 1800s. Oh, man. That's got to be, that would be list worthy. Can't be, uh, oh, damn it. Damn it. All right. We're going we're gonna to test the professor right here, see what I've comes up. I've already failed. All right. Let's see. Uh, appointed to the Committee on Indian Affairs, he made history in April 1874 when he took the chair from Speaker James G. Blaine becoming the first black American to preside over the House of Representatives. And his name was Joseph Hain Rainey. Yeah, Joseph Hain Rainey. Buddy, you just pulled that one out of your ass, and this one's going to be in the top five. You're telling me a black dude was the Speaker of the House in the, in the, in the yeah, 1870s? There's a whole book on the black-sounding forefathers that Woodrow Wilson took out of oh. uh, curriculum. And uh, Texas is voting to put it back in, but that doesn't sound right. There's a lot of arguments. Uh, A lot of people don't realize how how many Black Americans were influential in the Revolutionary War, and and how many of them were serving and and you know had political power back then. Yeah, and you know, there's just I think one of the longest running uh, another Black dude out of Vermont was in in Congress for like. Like forty years <clears throat> with that time period as well. Wow! But yeah, no, it's uh, it's 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 uh, I, I couldn't remember his name. That's a good Another- poll right here. And this guy, by the way, I mean, not that this is a surprise. Obviously, if you do the dates, you'll you'll figure it out. But you know, he was born into slavery, <clears throat> um, and he was uh, first African American to serve in the U.S. House of Representatives and the first African American to preside over the House. Uh, and the longest-serving African-American during the uh, tumultuous re- Reconstruction Wait, period. Was, is he from South Carolina? He is from South Carolina. Oh, man. This guy's – if it's the guy I'm thinking of, he's yeah. got an incredible story. It's If it's the same guy, he, like, during the Civil War, 
hijacked a uh, ship um, and like escaped Charleston uh, and went to the Union lines, like got a bunch of people out of there. Yep. Um, that is that in there? That's the guy. Oh no, that guy's awesome. Yeah. This guy. There's yeah. Another, there's another great African American dude. He's out of New Jersey, and he's pretty much the black Benjamin Franklin. His name is Paul Robeson. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and not only not only was he an inventor, he also played. He was like a, a three sport athlete. He's honestly, and uh, my buddy Stokey Kenyatta does a one man show a toy with him. Is that a, is so that he's a Jersey he's a Jersey Rutgers, guy too. Right? You got to throw him on the list with Agadino. He's a Rutgers guy. Paul yeah, he's from Rutgers, yeah. Paul Robeson, Robeson, you're saying, right, buddy? Yeah, he's he's a uh, uh, he's a singer, he's, of, he's actor. He's, he's oh he's, yeah, he was brilliant. A road, I think he was a Rhodes Scholar. Yes, he's a Rhodes Scholar. Yeah, he's he's, like, he's honestly like he him and Benjamin Franklin are probably the two most American uh, amazing Americans all around. Like they they did everything. They're they're Michelangelo and Da Vinci. Yeah, when you look at everything that they did, especially Ben Franklin. Like when you think about what this guy did. And not only that, how much ass he took down. Yeah. This guy's a fucking, you know. <laughs> this guy, if it was the mid-90s, Ben Franklin would be in a club just with just the best on Yeah, dude. I mean, <laughs> seriously. Dude, he went to France. He would take trips to France. Who, like, Franklin? Well, you know, yeah, like, who was doing that at that time? Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like... That was, that, that's as cosmopolitan as you get back then, and you couldn't just hop on well, a flight. When he first when he he first went to France to get uh, recognition during the revolution, yeah, and like we had no victories, like we kept losing. So all he had was his star power. So the first thing he did was, and you can imagine this scene: him and Voltaire. Voltaire, of course, is Voltaire, and is at the towards the end of his life, like they went arm in arm to like a Masonic lodge. I guess outside of Paris, and he said, "Like a brother Mason needs your help," and essentially talking about George Washington, who was a Mason, and that was like the first French officers and volunteers that joined the Revolution. Came from there. He, he, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but when him and Adams went over there, mm-hmm. uh, I always thought this was gonna, this could be a great fucking comedy with like Zig Song and John Favreau. <laughs> when, when, when we went over there, right? Uh, that uh, Adams was trying to speak French and be very proper. But Franklin was like, no, fuck that. I'm going to give them what they think we are. <laughs> and he, he betrayed himself as like a fucking, like a coonskin hat and shit like that. Oh, no, that's and, true. <laughs> and like going around partying with all these people while they, they thought Adams was, you know, trying too hard. They were just fascinated. <laughs> and Ben pretty much owned being an American. He's like, yeah, dude, we kill bears and shit. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, that's like to- everything they thought we were. That's- and uh, and he was like, dude, I, I got him, I got him. And he, he, he sucks bitch, he fucked half of Paris. Like yeah. a gentleman. That's all we had was that's all he had was the star power because we again we weren't winning anything and so Adams comes over and he's working like banker hours. You know, he's working from like sun up to sundown. And Franklin was doing like the walk of shame, like back home at eleven. Yeah, yeah, and was, Adams and, and Adams yeah. is like shaking his fist, going Franklin. <laughs> and, and yeah, because when he, he was like he was like the biggest celebrity, he was like a millionaire. He harnessed the lightning, and so 
it was like it's like when the Pope visits the United States. There's all those tchotchkes and bobbleheads. Right. Like yeah. there was that in Paris. People were selling pic- clocks with his picture on it, and like that's where you know you brought up the coonskin cap. Like you know he had never like worn one, but then someone showed him that there's a picture in France going around of him wearing a coonskin cap, and he's like, oh, so his buddy sent him a bunch of them. He started walking around with it, going, ah, huh? ah. <laughs> Check it out. And they're like, I mean, it's how the world sees us. Like, we're just constantly shooting shit and putting it in our mouths or on our heads. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I like that. He said, fuck it. That's all right. I'll, play, I'll run with it. And, and he was TDG before TDG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy. It's B. Ben Franklin, buddy. <laughs> hey, we want to fly a kite, buddy, face. Hey, let's put a key on it, buddy. He, 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 host, he hosted fucking... He, he hosted uh, uh, Jefferson's Madhouse. Fucking- <laughs> Yo, Jefferson's Madhouse was a pretty dark place, man. It was like... There was a lot of shit going down there. Oh, he should hilarious. go. He should go. He used to go, yeet, buddy, yeet, buddy. <laughs> so, Jefferson, buddy face, who's your girlfriend? Yo, he, I wouldn't call buddy, her girlfriend. <laughs> Yo, yeet, buddy, he blew with my mind, man. He blew with my mind. Dude, that is so funny. <laughs> She's not my girlfriend. She's more of what you call property? <laughs> Dude, well, we got we got like four good people on this list. I'm a, uh, I thought we had like nine. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we, he met Petey Boy Franklin. <laughs> well, Paul <laughs> Paul Robeson. He, he, he was working the boardwalk in fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, with, come up, come on it, come all it. With, yeah. with some bifocals, buddy. <laughs> with, with some bifocals. When uh, what else? Did he do? A bag of wheat. <laughs> hey guys, I got I got Franklin ovens. I got bifocals. I got ovens. A tincture of mercury. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude. Uh, hey, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. I like those knickers, buddy. Get over here. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, hey. And they say you can't. You can't. <laughs> you can't catch lightning in a bottle, buddy. Well, I get it. Right here. Come on. <laughs> Dude, that's... Hey, listen right here, right above here. Uh, this is this one's you quills. You can get a quill here. If you go up one, you get an almanac. Right. You a farmer, buddy? You a poor farmer? Are you poor Richard? What was it called? What was it called? Poor, poor Richard's. Poor Richard's farmer's yeah, almanac. Farmer's almanac. <laughs> Dude, so who else? <laughs> <laughs> I I hate to walk away from this bit because it's a great. I, bit. I got I got one. What, who do you got? Uh, Matthew Lyon. Matthew Lyon. Yeah. Tell me was, about Matthew. Is he a movie? A uh, 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 movie critic? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, this one was a uh, a congressman. I know we we start off with Pope Joan. Now everything's like you know Merca. Right. Um. That shows the uh, that doesn't happen at Pierce College. Uh, when you take a history class at Pierce College, we give you the whole picture. 
<laughs> but for now, we're going to stick with Merca. Okay. Uh, Matthew Lyon was a member of Congress from – he's born in Ireland, so I guess he's the first Irish member of Congress. And so that makes me proud of my people, you okay. know, because my people have suffered greatly. <laughs> Uh, and uh, he's also the first member of Congress to get into a fist fight with two other members of Congress on the floor of the House of Representatives. There you go. So uh, I, I, they, they talk about that in Independence Hall. Oh, they do? <laughs> yeah, they talk about that. You know, that's the fucking thing with these Irish. You can't take them anyway. <laughs> well, they did, they did throw a potato at him, and that was I think that was pretty, pretty offensive. <laughs> and then the handful of Lucky Charms. <laughs> And you know what's he, what's he supposed to do? I mean, people do that to me every day, and I, it's so hard to turn the other cheek. But I, I you know, I, I understand where he, where he's coming from. So he was an immigrant from Ireland. He became uh, a congressperson from New Hampshire. From yes, from uh, no, uh, I'm sorry, Vermont. Shit. Uh, oh, well, check this out. Line represented Vermont in Congress from 1797 to 1801. And then represented Kentucky from 1803 to 1811. I didn't even know you can do that. Well, he is Irish, well, and they had whiskey that. in Kentucky, so he just followed his nose, and <laughs> a rainbow appeared from Vermont to Kentucky. Yes. And he thought it was a pot of gold, but it was just bourbon at the end of it. So he had an hey, altogether. Yes. I got, a, I got a fact. It's not really a famous person, but I think it's hilarious. And, and you could verify this or not verify it, but. Do you know LBJ used to take his dick out all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I've I've heard this. Yeah, he used to put his dick on the table and put it on people's shoulders. <laughs> just take he just take his dick out. You know, hilarious. He'd be like, this is a staff meeting, and all of a sudden his dick is out. <laughs> his dick's out. It's just it's that's that's just Texas for you. I want to learn more about uh, this uh, Matthew Lyon guy because it says. Uh, I was going to say, so Lyon had the uh, distinction of being one of the first two members investigated for a supposed violation of House rules when he was accused of gross indecency for spitting in Roger Griswold's face. Griswold was investigated for attacking Lyon in retaliation. So he, he, he was there was a, a, a he was he became known as the spitting lion because uh. of this incident. Uh, he uh, he. Would he, he was known for some antics. He was not uh, satisfied with the apology that was given to him, uh, and he retaliated by attacking. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Lion apologized to this guy who he spit on, and then Griswold re- retaliated by attacking Lion with a wooden cane, beating him about the head and shoulders in yeah. view of other representatives of the House floor. Oh, so, oh and then and then what happened? He add to this that Griswold took his family to Wally World. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. This is the uh, this is the uh, the prequel to, uh, to yeah to vacation, but uh, yeah. So Ly- I, I kind of like that. So Lion, Lion, you think he should be on this list because he was a, an early Congress person. He was just mixing it up and fighting well, and yeah, spitting. You, you know, when we have uh, when we when you look at other countries that are kind of new to the democracy thing, and and you see the, the like their parliament, and they're like. Kicking each other's asses. Yeah, like, I remember seeing like a video of like uh, like South Korea. Oh yeah, and like maybe like they'll be like you know I want to say like Tanzania, and you know we're just like oh look at these people. That but we did the we were the same way right when we started out. Um, the Korean- we still are that way, dude. It, you know it's so funny because. 
people love to romanticize history and 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 make it like that we've this has been going on from forever that we get these crazy jackasses that come to Congress, wacky politics. I mean, Albert Gray was taking his dick out. (laughs) People have always been fucking nuts, man. This is just, we're just seeing it because of social media and we're just, everything's accessible. Right. But uh, it's been this way. I mean, think about what the fucking Caesars would do. You know what I mean? Marcus Aurelius, by the way, I like him, even though we're not doing American history, but Uh, I'm saying is that, this has been going on forever. It's just human beings are just fucking we're flawed. So well, now we just we just we're like we're not as blatantly violent about it. We're just in many ways passive aggressive. Like you know, in Congress they just hate each other's guts, but they have to begin everything with like my good friend from Kentucky is right. mis- yeah, mis- yeah, yeah. misguided. And back in the day. You know, it would just be they, people would be like on the floor of Congress beating the shit out of each other. There's a book that just came out by Joan Freeman called The Field of Blood. And I just finished it. And it's about the duels, the actual duels and fights in Congress from 1830 to 1860. And it's fascinating. Well, I was going to say that, too. Like, didn't there was like, didn't Ann Burr shoot like Hamilton or some shit? Like, yeah. he couldn't do that today. Yeah, he, well, they, <laughs> so, he shot him in, in Biden, Jersey. I challenged you to a duel. And then Biden and fucking Trump go back to back <laughs> and shoot at each other. Yeah, no, it's and, they can't do that. I don't know. And then break for tea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so if you killed someone in a duel, you wouldn't get in trouble, right? Because it was no, a duel? No, you would. Was it, was it like duel rules or something? You, you would. But duel rules. No, there would, when you go to a duel, there would be like – there's like four people on each side involved. Okay. There's like a second, uh, a consultant. And what do they do? And They advise and they try to broker a truce so you don't duel. Oh. So there's this like weird code. To and process to everything, and it's so bizarre because oftentimes they'll just make a deal. Both of you just show up and shoot in the air, and they'll do that and they'll walk away. Or sometimes they'll just negotiate and then they'll just go back home. Like it all depends on like the crew that you bring to it. Wow, uh, you kind of well, have to bring. It's like a delegation of of like peacemakers. Dele- basically. Yeah, absolutely. It's a delegation. A delegation. I want to I wanna see if you can verify this, too. Uh, apparently, the duels were started uh, when Bugs Bunny will take his glove off and smack you with it. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, that, that, that happened. I challenge you due to a duel. A lot of times, it would just, you would just go up and be like, I demand satisfaction. Yeah. Uh, and then you would go back to your friends and be like, I think I'm going to get into a duel. Do you want to be my second? And you're like, yeah. And then you start putting your crew together. And then that's soon crazy. enough. Yeah, that's but yeah, the, so soon enough you formulate a group of people who don't want you to do this. <laughs> you know that's when Ch- when my my hunch is when Cheney shot that guy in the face. Yeah, he's like, let's duel. The guy's like, no, Mister Bryson he goes, fuck you, and shoots him. <laughs> that's how it went down. <laughs> Modern day duel. Because <laughs> yeah, Cheney was the second vice president to shoot a guy. Yeah, Burr was sitting vice president when he shot Hamilton in Weehawken, New Jersey. <laughs> and that poor guy that uh, Cheney shot didn't have a second with him. Hamilton? Oh, he had a Hamilton. No, I'm saying Cheney, the guy that oh. he shot. He didn't have a second one. They were just hunting. Yeah, and he didn't. He, he didn't plan ahead. I know, and he apologized when he got out of the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Know. That made me a huge Cheney fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like it, dude. Matthew Lyon, I dig it. He's spitting. He's fighting. He's Irish. He's on the list. I like that. Matthew Lyon's on the list. 
Uh, who else, uh, Ford? Do you have uh, any uh, any other people in mind that you'd like to – I mean, dude, we're only at five people. We've got five people to go. There's got to be more historical figures you've never I heard of. I can't believe we have five. I really think we just – well, for L- LBJ's dick. Put that on there. <laughs> LBJ's dick. I think LBJ's dick might have to make this list. Yes, yeah. Um, he was he was PD Boy Jones before PD Boy Jones. <laughs> uh, everybody, I want you to meet Peter Boy Jones. Zip. Talk. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, everybody, here's Peter Boy. Just throws his dick on the table. Hey. <laughs> 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 Well, who who else would be would be underrated? Well, you know, I I mean, I, I've been reading this biography right now on Avril Harriman. I mean, he didn't do anything like cool, but he's just one of these like people that are just like in the room at like you know he's he's had an he had an incredible life. He lived from eighteen ninety one to nineteen eighty six. Um, so I mean, you think about like you know before the car and towards the end of his life, he was flying on a Concorde from the Soviet Union to advise Reagan about the new leaders of the Soviet Union. And this guy's name is Avril? Avril Harriman. His, he, was, he was like the son of like a railroad tycoon. Yeah. And um, he inherited like his father's billions. And, you know, for the first like three or four decades of his life, he's, I mean, the beginning of the book sucks. He's like, wow, this guy's an asshole. But I mean, I read about him in the, this JFK book uh, called A Thousand Days, which was amazing. And he was just there. Like, he, 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 he negotiated he, with Trotsky. He met, you know, Trotsky, he was the ambassador to the Soviet Union during World War II. Right. You know, and he just kind of found a way he to He was be. like the Forrest Gump of history. Like, he's always yeah. just popping up in different places. But instead of, like, you know, instead of, like, Forrest Gump, who was, I guess you would say... Rick, sl- Ricky Ritardo? Yeah, slow. Okay. Yeah, uh, you know he was just a rich asshole that says, "Well, I'll be a Democrat," because like you know everyone, all the rich people were Republicans. And so he was in the Truman, Kennedy, Carter administrations. So he was kind of like a mover and shaker, using his uh, status, I guess you know, in finance or whatever, what his connections. Yeah, and then and then just sort of making nice with the political class. Yeah, and I, he's responsible for a lot of like for World War II. He was instrumental. And and our our success, he really was in terms of the supply lines because he knew railroads, he knew how to like move shit around. I mean, he's not the sexiest character in history. I mean, he's no Franklin's Dick or whatever we were talking about right. before. Um, but yeah, he was he's somebody I'd include as someone under the radar. So he he was like probably like a big uh, move maker in the State Department, right? Yeah. I mean, with with because uh, I'm I'm looking I'm looking right now. It says uh, Under Secretary of uh, of State for Political Affairs. Yeah, he had all these titles throughout like his life, but uh, he know, was also the governor of New York. Yeah, one, he, one term he lost to Nelson Rockefeller. Who like did like three terms and then like wrote the worst drug laws in the country? Um, he was an ambassador to the uh, Soviet Union, ambassador to the United Kingdom. He was the United States uh, Secretary of Commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, he was the director of yeah. the uh, Mutual uh, Security Agency. He, he negotiated the test ban, the test ban treaty under the Kennedy White House. Uh, which was, I mean, we were testing nuclear bombs in the app underground and in the atmosphere. We were just like dumping crap all over the planet, and he managed to get the Soviets to agree to stop doing that, which I thought was, you know, 
pretty impossible, but they made it happen. Well, Avril uh, Harriman makes the list, dude, as far as I'm concerned. I'm learning a lot about this guy. Look, I'm looking at his Wikipedia. This guy's been around, uh, and he, you know, he was serving uh, during the, the presidency of FDR. Harriman served in the National uh, Recovery uh, Administration and on the Business Advisory Council before moving into foreign policy roles. <laughs> Excuse me, before po- uh, foreign policy roles. So you have to you have to think that he was kind of instrumental. He was advising FDR and digging out of the depression. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he was there for a lot. Oh yeah, like, he was working with the National Recovery Agency, which was unconstitutional. But you know, uh, and no relation to Avril Lavigne. Either. Yes, unfortunately. No. Um, Avril Avril uh, Harriman makes the list. Who else is on this list? Forty. We have uh, three more spots. Three more spots. Well, four actually, if you do the math correctly. I had somebody, and I can't. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm. I'm digging in here. You know who? Uh, I mean, they're not. Well, I guess they're. they're I, I was thinking of the guys that uh, the guys who actually dropped because I was a big uh, Harry Truman fan. Not a fan, but I was assigned to do an, a, a, a paper on him in high school, and then I just became more aware, and I just started, you know, reading up on him. And instead, and instead, you wrote Friends and Horses. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I, the guys that actually dropped the bombs over like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I mean, we don't know their names, but that's got to have been that must have been a fucking tough assignment. Just knowing, what, I mean, what you're doing, what you're about to do, uh, well, Brian. Brian, honest with you, I don't, I don't think it. I think, and if you ever read uh, the GI memoirs and stuff, and especially the World War II, that you didn't, because uh, you know, I, a lot of my family members at that time fought over there, and they, you know, they took lives, and it never bothered them because of the justification of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, we we somehow. Which we should. We're always demonizing the Nazis, but we forget what piece of shit the fucking Japs were back then. Yeah, you know, and it's not popular to say it, but they were fucking horrible. They 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 didn't even abide by uh, Geneva Code with the prisoners. Like you ever see Bridges Over the River Kwai? Yeah, where they they were just having POWs build roads, build bridges. They weren't feeding them. They they would overwork them. They would get in the, uh, what's called the berries when they would get bloated. They would just shoot them in the road and kept moving them. And, you know, a lot of the people, we never talk about the horrors that went on in the POW camps in Japan. Yeah. Right? And what and what they did to the prisoners of war. I mean, again, because of political correctness, you don't see them anymore as the enemy in movies. It's always, it's always the Nazis. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, so my, my uncle fought in the Pacific... And my grandfather was in uh, was in Europe, but and my other uncle fought in the Pacific, and they were captured, and they they were just horrified. They don't even you know wouldn't discuss it. They just said it was it was awful. And um, the Germans abided by Geneva Code, by the way, with the POWs. Obviously, they had the concentration camps, but that was I'm talking about the people that they caught. Aside from that, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's, I mean, this is firsthand knowledge. Yeah, yeah. So when they bombed the J- J- Japan, they were warned. They were bombed, and they they said we're going to do it again if you don't surrender. And they they didn't surrender, and then they were bombed again. Oh yeah. And then they were said we're going to do it again if you don't surrender. And before we dropped the third one, they were like, okay, okay. 
we, and we didn't have so, enough for a third one, but they didn't know that we were like we were like gonna do it. They're like they knew we meant business after the second one yeah. at least. Yeah, you know, Brian Brian Shamora says uh, with with uh, historical figures you never heard of. I'm just gonna throw this out before I, I I lose it. Neil Armstrong, which I think he's pretty well known. Uh, he says King Richard the Lionheart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and by the, the way, first. Colonel Tibbetts, uh, that's the guy Bob Dominic is saying. That's the guy that actually pulled the trigger on uh, on uh, the Little Boy on the first, uh, uh, what's it called, atomic bomb. But go on. Please tell me about Richard. Uh, Richard, Richard. Richard the Lionhearted. Uh, I mean, I don't think he was a noble uh, person. But, yeah, I think I think people should definitely know him. He was king of England for 10 years, but he spent like 10 months in England. Like most of his time was um, – was um, launching crusade against Jerusalem on uh, the wow. Holy Land. Like he was part of this this crew of like the King of France, Philip Augustus, and the uh, the ger- essentially the German Emperor, Holy Roman Emperor uh, Frederick Barbarossa. Maybe is that right? Yeah. All right. Uh, You're in there. And uh, I mean, you know, if I was teaching a class at Pierce College, I would know these things. <laughs> I'm just, you know. But anyhow, on their way there, the, the German – this is funny. The German emperor dies. Uh, I think he drowned or something like that. And, you know, I mean it's, it is funny because I'm guessing he was wearing a suit of armor and they were waging holy war. So fuck him. <laughs> uh, and so well, it, it just you, left the king can of – Can clarify something though really quick? Yeah. A lot of people think the crusades were about conversion and they weren't. They were about unoccupying lands that uh, the Turks and, and the Muslims were occupying. Yeah, well, there's never like one reason for anything. I know that there was like twelve. There was like twelve of them, right? Eleven or twelve crusades. Oh yeah, there was like there was like twelve. I always stick with like the four big ones, but there was like there was seriously, you're right. There's like twelve. There was like they were constant. Uh, my favorite is the Fourth Crusade. Yeah. Oh my God, it's the best one. <laughs> Now, let me ask you this. Do you need to see the first three crusades in order to avoid the fourth one? Uh, you actually, uh, to be honest with you, yes. Uh, because, but the fourth one is like a comedy of errors uh, because <laughs> it was, I mean, it was. This guy drowns in a fucking. The third one, what <laughs> happens in the third one. You don't have, the first two were pretty, were just gnarly. So we'll just stick, we'll start with the third. <laughs> and like, so you have the king of France and Spain are the only two left and they just fall the whole time and so francis said you know screw this let's go home and so it was just richard the lionhearted and so he didn't have enough manpower to like take jerusalem he came close but he killed like ten thousand people at acre wow like he beheaded like he was a vicious dude i think he also on the way back to england got kidnapped which is pretty funny uh because Richard did? yeah yeah he got kidnapped by like some muslim mercenaries and england had to pay ransom it was very like medieval 24 wow. uh, See, you know again man people people don't realize that that europe was being invaded by uh islamic uh by muslims and and actually being right they were being put into slavery and, and occupying land so the, the Crusades were to take back those lands well, that know, were being occupied. I think another... But a lot of people, a lot of people confuse it with, like, um, the Inquisition and shit like that, which was, that was about conversion. <laughs> well, you know, another reason for for the Crusades is that you, 
you know, in so much of history, it's just it's just pure demographics, and like you yeah. just you saw it's you could just look at the the notion of the second son. You know, anybody that has an older brother should understand that. You know what you grow up getting the hand me downs. Right. You know I got. I have an older brother. I got hand me downs. Uh, I didn't understand it until I had kids, and then I'm like, shit, there's no way. Yeah. I'm buying new shit for this other kid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and if we were like rich, if we were like aristocracy, you know, the oldest son gets the titles, gets the land, gets all this shit. Right. So they're thinking, well, where do we go? And so they see this opportunity. Where they can just go to, um, where they could just go to the Holy Lands under the guise of, of uh, you know, crusade and holy war. There's a chance to establish themselves. It's the same. It's the same idea that established Virginia. I mean, you look at all the people that founded Virginia. Yeah, Cromwell and those. Well, like right? Jefferson, Fairfax. Those are like were prominent families back in England. Yeah, and they just sent their second I mean, I sons. To, I want to ask you a question about. Uh, the Revolutionary War. Now, from from what I understood, because you know, again, people don't really fully fathom what the the forefathers were risking when they declared war. Like it, it was almost as if. Uh, well, actually, let me get to the question because uh, wasn't it that did, did Ben Franklin go over there to settle a dispute, right, and went in front of like the pit of despair? It was called. Yeah. And didn't they ridic- didn't they ridicule him? Yeah, he- and then. I'm sorry. No, yeah, he was like he went to Parliament like well before things got really hairy. And you're right, it was like a pit of despair. So he always felt we could like settle this. I mean, he did draft the Albany Plan of Union in like 1754, I want to say, where like we were starting to get the idea of of forming a band. Uh, But he, yeah, he went to Parliament thinking he could like resolve it, but he just got ripped. And he came back to America, or the United States, or the colonies, whatever, uh, in like shame and yeah. was kind of resolved to. I mean, he had that famous line, we must hang together or hang separately, you know? So, yeah. And then, and then after that, when it began, then he went to France and just, you know, partied. And you hear this, because you always hear this rhetoric, well, these are all rich white guys and this and that, that people don't realize. They, without going to war, they had it made. Yeah, but you know there's I mean? also, I've, like, heard, I've heard the, I'm sorry, go on. No, I'm saying that basically that that was this. Hey, look, guys, we could keep what we have now and live like we're living. Like Ben Franklin was on Easy Street, or we could go to war with this country that could possibly kick the shit out of us. And, and and be hung publicly and lose everything. Yeah, there's also one argument for like the revolution that that goes around because again, I don't, I don't think it's ever just one thing. But yeah, it's I, never one. Thing. England, England was because you know that they they ended slavery in like the 1830s. I forget Eight, the exact. Well, no, year. no, 1805. And then, but then, 18- like broadly and officially, like you know, early in the 1800s, but they were beginning that trend like before the revolution. You had Americans bringing their slaves to Great Britain and their slaves would run away and the crown wouldn't do anything to return them. And so they got a sense that their property rights were not going to be respected, property rights in, in terms of slavery. So England was drifting towards that before the revolution. So, I mean, the argument that this was just a bunch of white property owners trying to protect 
there's you know right to own slaves there's truth to that uh but i do understand that there's you know these these guys had a lot to lose i mean this is the biggest army in the world when you look at king and george right ben franklin's two slaves that ended up pioneering and fighting for uh the colonies (laughs) there was from from what I again, what I gathered, it was well. Obviously, it was about that because they were being overtaxed and they weren't being respected, and you know. But it's just the, the risk that they had everything to lose. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Yeah. So it, it, it wouldn't make sense to say, "Hey, guys, you know." It, it, that's what I said. It wasn't just one thing, but it, this broad strokes over these brilliant men who were who started this great nation is to, to demonize them that's my biggest problem <laughs> you learn from history you don't live in it and you don't judge it you just learn from it and you move on i, I couldn't yeah. you know everybody in that time period were pieces of shit and everywhere in the fucking world <laughs> if, if they're so great why are they dead if they're so great why are they dead <laughs> but you know what I mean? Everybody was fucking scumbags back then it compared to today. Mm. It would be like calling a caveman a misogynist. It just doesn't it doesn't apply. Well no, I that's mean evolution. That's that's why I, I, I that truly that's why I love history when you see when you see like the patterns in society where people do like you you said evolution. You know, like at what point did we decide to stop doing things like burning witches and what and and having duels um and um you know all all the other or or like bear baiting you look at some of the sports we had uh i mean i'm i'm firmly against horse racing because i think that we're gonna look back on that and be like you know why did we let that go on for so long right uh and i just i love when you see history like evolve and I, i think it was I, I don't know. I, maybe it was. I think it was Marx that said, "Are we a subject of history or subject to history?" Right. You know, do we change it or do we, or do we well, just kind we, of surrender ourselves to it? Well, let's but let's switch. Let's switch topics real quick and go to uh, you know human development. I mean, the the fact that because we're fed and because we have it really easy is why we're we have the luxury of being intellectuals. But let's be honest. If, if there's if there's scary, look what happened during a hurricane in Miami when you know when there was no water. I think it was after uh, Katrina and Andrew. People started shooting at each other, and you know it, it's very easy to sit there now when you have a phone and a car and the ability to go somewhere, and you know you can live to fucking ninety, and you know you could go to the groceries. They throw out food. So, you know, the the, the judgment, the the non-understanding of how societal evolution works, Mm -hmm. it still, it it irks me when people go back in time and demonize these people when this is, that was what they had to deal with. Mm -hmm. And we have these luxuries. I'm calling you from a phone in Arizona on a podcast, (laughs) on a comedy network. I mean, you know, we, we have this luxury now. Well, you know, the, just, uh, the it brings to mind. I mean, just you, you just made me think of somebody, um, uh, Henry Clay. You know, Henry cool. Clay. Henry Clay is somebody who has a historical legacy. That, for one, on the one hand, I mean, he's the great. He was the great compromiser. Like he made the Missouri Compromise and the Compromise of eighteen fifty. So he's credited with 
with delaying the Civil War, essentially, and the Compromise of 1850. Like, he bought the North 10 years to industrialize. I mean, he didn't think it was going to—he thought it would last forever, but, you know, he gets credit for compromise, which is something we lack today in politics. Nobody can compromise. But then it raises the question— he compro- you know, should we celebrate a guy who compromised over slavery? You know, I mean, which is this thing we see very clear-eyed today. And, I, and at the time, people were very clear-eyed about it. Abolitionists were very clear-eyed that this is something that's a, a stain on us. But, like, you know, do we celebrate Henry Clay because he's this long-lost vestige of compromise that made our political system possible? Or should we just say, fuck him because... You know, he managed to find a way for slavery to continue to exist beyond its expiration date. Right. Well, again, I know we outlawed it. I think it was 1805, and then it was grandfathered in uh, that anybody here, like you couldn't get new slaves. Oh, but wasn't yeah. it like 1807 or 08? <laughs> yeah, oh, 1808. Wait, you can keep your old slaves? It, it, it was like no importation. It closed the Middle Passage down. Oh, man. Right. It, it was, a, you know, the people that sold slaves are the same ones that would sell heroin today and kitty porn and whatever, you know. They were bad people. Human, yeah. tra- human trafficking still goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to even, and there are people that, buy that you know but then again human labor was your first form of currency and i mean everybody talks about the transatlantic slave trade but when you look at the barbary slave trade i mean shit didn't that go from like 1750 bc to like 1982 you know it was some crazy fucking long period that 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 they were still trafficking human beings in the middle east and in africa and Asia too, right? Wasn't yeah. slavery outlawed yeah, I mean, after the, 1950? Yeah, the slavery is 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 largely outlawed, but it continues. Like, and uh, most of the chocolate we eat in this country is grown by slave labor. You yeah. know, Nestle cannot disavow that their that their product does not originate from the hands of child slave labor. Uh, That's crazy, dude. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. I bring it up every Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. I, 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 you know, if you want to, if you want to save money, bring that up and then show your wife uh, blood diamonds. <laughs> hey, so hey, Pete, I gotta go, buddy. I gotta go. I gotta all right, go. all right, buddy. See ya. So, you little people, really quick. Sunday the first. Sunday the first. We'll be there. Sunday Don't the first. Hey, send me this video so I can edit it. All right, buddy. All right, love you, brother. Later, love, love you, guys. Thanks, Later, both, for coming on. Man. Hey, Later. no, thank you. Take it easy. So, dude, I want to wrap it up here. We we only have a couple of uh, spots left, and uh, I think – I'm just looking around at some stuff. I, I could give you one more. I want I want one more. I want one more from you. Uh, big New Brzezinski. Okay. Uh, I mean, he's not – he's kind of well-known, but I don't know. I mean, the thing is – I have is, no idea who the, that is. Well, the thing is I know everybody. Uh, but he was the and his daughter is Mika Brzezinski. Oh yeah, what's that? what's this guy's first name? Zabignu. Zabignu. Yeah, he his, he's like a state guy. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, his daughter is Mika Brzezinski. Uh, and you know, I bring him up just because it it's it's a way to talk about something I find very interesting. Okay, what do you got? Uh, although I don't know a hell of a lot about him, he was a national security advisor under Jimmy Carter. And uh, Jimmy Carter, when he became president, you know, wanted to make human rights like a focal point of his administration. So when he comes in, he sends the big new Brzezinski to the CIA and he tells them very clearly, he's like, "Okay, no more 
don't do any more shit. You know, the secret killings, the coups like in Iran and Chile. Right. Uh, you know, no coups. Yeah. <laughs> no, no murder. And of course, they're like, oh, you suck. And so they go, well, what do we do then? And so, and this is in a book called Legacy of Ashes. It's a history of the CIA uh, by, um, God, I think his name is Timothy Weiner. Okay, obvious. Yeah. He, I mean, I think it's for, is the la- I know the last name. I just remember the last name. Yeah. It sticks with you. Yes. And uh, he wrote another book about the FBI that's good. Uh, but he bo- this book about the CIA, he writes about this, and he said, well, what do we do? Now, this is the late 70s. And they said, you should give out fax machines and satellite telephones to people behind the Iron Curtain. So all through Eastern Europe. And so that's what the CIA did. It's not sexy. Right. It's pretty boring. But this guy interviewed KGB agents in the book, and they said that was the worst thing you could have done. Wow. You know, because it put all these groups in in contact with one another. Wow. And look, we get so much credit is, I think, rightly and wrongly, I'll just say wrongly, given to Reagan. Yeah. Just because we forget that Carter had something to do with it. It's not like Reagan came in and then just shit happened. Right. You know, I mean, the the CIA was giving out these communication devices that were really ahead of their time. I mean, fax machines were pretty clunky, but they still worked. And yeah, it got a lot of people talking to each other. And when you think about the strength the Soviet Union had, it was policing their own people. You know, it was the KGB. Yep. And they couldn't keep up with that. And it just drained them internally for resources. Now, Reagan could get credit in the sense of the Cold War, you know, forcing them to go kind of like punch for punch. Where we had Star Wars, which never worked. It was just a six. It was like a several billion dollar check. It was a great name. Yeah, I was an eight year old. I was I was enchanted. You're like, dude, Star Wars. But there's a Let's reason. Do it. But there's a reason eight year olds don't vote because right. they're pretty stupid. Right. I was pretty stupid. So, dude, that was. Uh, I think that's a good uh, addition. I have. Uh, I have one that I was going to uh, add. Do you have one more? No. Can you pull one more I'm, out of your I, out of your bag of tricks? No, I'll, I'll try. One thing. One thing I was going <laughs> to stall me. I was going to do uh, Maurice. Uh, Hilleman, uh, of the 14 vaccines routinely recommend, recommended in current uh, vaccine schedules, uh, good old Maurice, he developed eight of them. Wow. For uh, measles, mumps, hepatitis A, hepatitis B, chickenpox, meningitis, uh, pneumonia, and uh, influenza, some sort of uh, other word I can't pronounce. Um, that's a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot. This kid's, this kid's batting over 500 on the 14 right there. I mean, he's got eight of, eight of 14, which is pretty amazing yeah. right there. Uh, I think that uh, – I mean, we don't know his name, but uh, we know his work. You know, um, I want to uh, just to – I sort of like expand on what we discussed. It was one of the first guys that we called uh, Stanislav Petrov, uh, our good old buddy in that uh, Soviet uh, submarine. Uh, I just just a quick little blurb. I f- I feel like it better describes it. it says uh, on September twenty sixth, eighty three, just three weeks after the Soviet military uh, had shot down uh, Korean Airlines Flight zero zero seven, Petrov was the duty officer at the command center for the uh, nuclear early warning system. <clears throat> when the system reported that a missile had been <clears throat> launched, that guy uh, from the United States followed up uh, to five more. Anyway, Petrov judged the reports to be a false alarm. And his decision is credited with uh, having prevented an erroneous uh, retaliatory 
uh, nuclear attack on the United States. I think that guy more than the one I brought up, Vasily. Yeah. I think I was thinking of that guy and then just lazily just stumbled upon – I mean, the, fuck this Vasily guy, right? Yeah. I, I mean, Stanislav Petrov, I think he's, he's going he's gonna to go on the list too. I, I'm going to keep the Vasily no. guy as well. I had a colleague who, who was talking about him recently and I don't know. I guess I should just listen better. Yeah. Well, buddy, I feel like we have a great list of 10 people that we did not know about before that we know a little bit more about. Uh, that being said, buddy, um, do you uh, want to plug the great institution that you're working at? Oh, oh, you mean Woodland Hills Pierce College? That's correct. Yes, Pierce College. Uh, yeah, we should go there right after this podcast. We're going to go right now. You know, because we should take history classes. Yes. Because they will melt your face off. Yes. Uh, we have a lot of spots open. Okay, so we're, we're encouraging people to uh, enroll if it's uh, if it's uh, if you need to go to school, you want to get that or education. Or if you want your face melted off. If you want your face melted. To go to that college. Yeah. Specifically the history department. Yeah. The history department. You'll shit your pants. Yes. yes. Well, we're working on the slogan. <laughs> yes. But that's kind of what I got so far. Uh, and guys, I want to uh, I want to shout out uh, Kevin Stewart from uh, uh, JR's uh, Ocean Bar and Grill in Sunny Seaside Heights. Uh, he's the one responsible for this whole show that's going to be happening uh, on uh, September 1st in Forked River. We're going to be at uh, Joey Harrison's uh, River House in Forked River September 1st. It's probably going to be an 8 o'clock show, but we're going to be hanging out in Seaside all weekend at JR's. Uh, if you're you're on the list listener and you're in the uh, New Jersey tri-state area, please come out to see us. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a big party, dude. Uh, now, we have the top 10 historical figures you've never heard of. You've been writing this down? Oh, yeah. At number 10, Maurice Hilleman developed the uh, eight of the uh, 14 regular, uh, what's it called, vaccinations. Uh, Zibigru Brzezinski. It's a big new. It's a big new. Great name. Father of, uh, uh, what's her name, from uh, Morning Joe? Uh, Mika Scarborough. Uh, but, uh, yeah, introduce fax machines to the right people. At number eight, we have uh, Stanislav Petrov. He's the guy that we were just talking about. Uh, number seven, we have Paul Tibbetts. He's the guy that dropped the uh, first atomic bomb on uh, Hiroshima. Very uh, uplifting story there. <laughs> now, number six, we have uh, Avril Harriman. Uh, at number five, we have uh, Matthew Lyon, the spitting and fighting Irishman that uh, stormed the floors of Congress and really uh, let his name be known. At number four, we have uh, Joseph Hayne Rainey. He was the uh, first black speaker of the House. He was a congressman, the first black congressman. This is in the 1870s. It's unbelievable. I didn't even know that was real. At number three, we have Thomas Catesby Jones. Uh, and Thomas uh, Catesby Jones, what was his deal again? He accidentally invaded Monterey, California. That's right. That's right. He did a lot of good work. He showed how easy it was to invade another nation. Uh, at number two, we have uh, Vasily Arkhipov. That was the Soviet sub guy. Uh, and I'll Replace no him with the other one. Yeah, we'll switch him <laughs> like, out. Really, I'm sick of that guy. And now uh, the number one person, historical figure you've never heard of, but you found out about it today because you didn't watch John Goodman's movie. At number one, we have Pope Joan. Pope Joan. Yeah. Uh, well, Forty, thank you so much for coming in today. Uh, make sure you go to HerronTeeth.com. Follow, uh, follow us at YOTL Podcast on Instagram, on Twitter. Call your mom, all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, man, Forty, thanks for coming. It was so fun having you on the podcast. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. What did you think of uh, Brett's phone connection? Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was incredible. Incredibly awful. Yeah. Yeah. 
Man. Right. Well, guys, we have a lot more to catch up uh, next week when we see you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we love you, and make sure you call your mom. See you at Pierce College. Ha, 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 ha.